0: Thank you. We wanted the microphone to feel like you were in the mountains. Whoa. So yeah, yeah good.
1: No. <laughs> And um, so I've been living there and working with refugees and people who are internally displaced. So people who have had to flee ISIS. And I, I work in uh, camps where they live now still. Some of them have been living there for eight years, and the people from Syria. And then some of them have been living there for about five years. So I work with mostly children with disabilities in these camps, and we help do physical therapy exercises and different things like that. So that's like my day-to-day job. Um, so what we, the way we get our visas is through an NGO they're a non-governmental organization, like a nonprofit. and th- so we volunteer in those camps. But um, so that's day-to-day that where I help um, with the children with disabilities. But then on top of that, we have a few different programs, and I think I've shared about them before, but one of the exciting things I wanted to share about was we have what's called a family program that um, we put together this last winter and spring. And it's based off of an um, Acts when, um, when Cornelius in the Bible, uh, when he had this vision of Peter and Peter came, um, Cornelius brought his whole family together to mm-hmm. listen to Peter. And so we, we really believe that the whole family should hear the good news together, that way they're all together, not one is like ostracized or separated, we want to sit them all together, hear That's the good, good news together, come to the Jesus together, because, I mean, family was God's idea. So when, uh, so out of the children that we work with, um, we've asked each family if they wanted to do the special program, it's an eight-topic program, and um, many of them have said no, some of them have, a lot of them have said yes, so. We started five different groups in the spring, and uh, our goal is to go through these eight topics um, and look to see what God says about them. And go, we open the Bible, and they're they're aware that we're opening the Bible with them and sharing stories about Jesus. So that was one of my big jobs was I wrote the curriculum for that, and um, then every week we've been visiting, and and our local staff, some of them are our uh, believing staff, people who are, are believers, are actually just sharing and. I just sit there and pray, you know, and um, because we want to empower our local um, believers. So, anyway, I wanted to share some stories about what's happening. So, it's uh, in my family group; um, it, they're a Muslim family, uh, and they have just had so much hurt and destruction. Their their dad and their uncle both were killed by Saddam Hussein uh, in the early 2000s, and then um, they had to flee ISIS about five years ago, and there are like four or five different people in their huge family that uh, have disabilities. So they have a lot of pressure, and it's like all women in this family mostly. So um, they're pretty poor. They're in a tent, in a camp. And so I've been visiting them multiple times a week and just uh, helping them physically, but then also doing this program. And this program, we talk about like for example, like, value and what God says about value. And then we go through, like, Psalm 139 and shows them, like, you know, like, him me and before and behind. Or, like, cause versus blame, you know, because over there they think that people uh, sinned. And then that's why they have a disability. So then we go through what Jesus said, you know, in the, when he asked the disciples or when he asked the Pharisees, like, who, who uh, sinned Sin. in this one's family, you know. So we go through all those stories. And um, so... I've been visiting this family for like three months, and every week it's like, you know, we're praying, we're praying for healing, they have different physical um, problems, you know, shoulder hurts, things like that. And so we're praying, and just haven't seen anything for a while, and, and it gets like kind of tough, you know, when you're sitting there, and it's like, oh, Lord, come on, we want to see breakthrough and um, week after week. But um, you can see that they're st- starting to have more hope in life again, and so that's been really fun. But the last day of this program, and then what we, what we do is we ask them if they want to continue to hear more about God and to study the Bible on their own without official program. And um, so that was going to be our last day. We we're really praying for it and see if they really wanted to continue to study God's word. And um, so I go in, and uh, a couple weeks before this, there was—I share this story, but I'm going to give you a little more background— at Vision Sunday I shared this story but a couple weeks before this there was a little boy um, one of the little boys in the family he um, could not hear well and he was screaming all the time and he was just really unruly would really disrupt our our studies and stuff and um, every time he would see a cell phone he would start screaming because he wanted to be on YouTube and and just very disruptive to us talking and you know just trying to love on him and a couple weeks before, the mom had asked me to look in his ears because he couldn't hear well. He hadn't even said one word yet, and he was almost two and a half. And I said, I don't have, like, a way to look into the ears but because uh, I'm a nurse practitioner. But um, I didn't have any instruments with me. But I said, well, let's pray. And I'll be honest, I didn't have that much faith. But, and um, so we prayed for, prayed for him, prayed for healing and all that. So then a couple weeks later, so on this last day, so fast forward, um, we were talking, and and we had just gone over the story of the woman at the well, and um, because Holy Spirit had told me to put that in the curriculum because it has to do with women, and you know she was the first missionary out out to to share the world. You know there are two first missionaries: it was the woman at the well, and then the demoniac. And I put in the one with the woman at the well because that had to do with women, and that was mostly who we deal with. And um, and they were. They were just so floored by Jesus talking to this woman. Wow. And they were, um, they were asking questions like, if Jesus could come to me in my dream, do you think he would talk to me the way that he talked to that woman at the well? You know, they're asking questions like that. And we're like, yes, yes. And then all of a sudden, one of the moms was like, oh, you know my little boy that you prayed for a couple weeks ago? Well, he can hear now. Aww. Yeah, it's amazing. And then... And then as if on cue, he walked right in and he, and she's like, he's starting to talk. He's saying, he's saying his numbers, saying his colors, he's saying everything. And, um, and she was like, it's because you prayed, it's because you prayed. And then they were like, oh yeah. And, um, you know, that story about the woman at the well, we started sharing that while we were making cookies for our, you know, holiday, started sharing with that, with all the ladies in the, in, around the camp, one of the, one of the girls in the, in the tent. And then, A different the mom of the boy was like yeah i shared the story about the woman at the well to my family an hour away i was just telling them about jesus and how good he was in the bible i mean these people aren't even in the kingdom yet but they're like sharing the good news you know about jesus and um and then this is all happening on the same day and that little boy walked in and he was just playing with with toys and he was not screaming at all he saw all these cell phones you could you could tell he was a transformed boy and it was just amazing, and then they were like, "Yeah, and then the other people you prayed for, they got healed, and then they were like, "Oh, and can you pray uh, or so then one of uh, my coworkers he had asked me in the tent, all this is in either Kurdish or arabic and um, but he had asked me in English, he said, "Oh, can you go pray, for, can you go look at this one girl at, at the other end of the tent? Her hand is hurting, and I don 't know why I said it in English, but that was okay, and I uh, went over there and I like looked at her hand, and I was like, "Well, we could try and treat this medically." But I asked her, "I was like, can I pray for you?" And so I prayed uh, in Arabic, and um, and then she was like, and she was having pain in her hand every every night. Um, So she didn't have pain then, but um, so I prayed. And then anyway, I got back in the car after after this whole day of them just sharing like, hey, we're sharing, we're sharing about the story over here and over here. And this person got healed and this person got healed and this little boy got healed. It was like revival had opened up in this one little tent. And um, I got back in the car and the person, the guy who had asked me to go check on this girl's hand, he was like, oh, yeah, Emily, by the way, they weren't asking for you to look at her hand medically. They just wanted you to pray. Which is awesome, you know. Like, here I am. As a nurse practitioner, I get asked all the time, like, can you help this? Can you treat this? But they were, like, skipping the medical thing and going straight to God. That's so good. Which is amazing. Yeah. So good. So, yeah. And and the next week I went and visited because I just wanted to. And uh, even though the program had officially ended. And um, she said she had forgotten that she had even pain in her hand ever. So she was totally healed, which is amazing. And, um So then they also said that they wanted to continue studying the Bible and they still are right now. So pray for them. And out of the five groups, three of them, uh, three of the families are continuing to study the word of God together and as a family. And so that's our heart is for that. The family can continue and start making disciples and start, um, you know, bringing in more, starting other groups. And that's what a movement is. You know, we want them to be their own disciples, their own missionaries. And So that's what's going on now. So just wanted to share that. Like, even though you see some of the bad news in the the news about the Middle East, that God is working. And um, I just wanted to say thank you for all your prayers and support. And I couldn't do it without my Zion family. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Emily. Stay up here for a second. Yeah, we're going to pray for her. Yeah, come on up. And so, Emily, we just want to uh, thank you for your yes, you know, just going into places that, man, uh, most of us could never even dream of. So thank you for your yes. And um, let's just pray God's richest blessings on her, everything she needs. And so, Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in the Middle East, and we just pray blessing on Emily. God, protection, boldness, anointing. And Lord, I just pray for an increase of healing anointing, an increase of words of knowledge an increase of compassion. Lord, everything that's from heaven, let it increase in her life. And Lord, I just thank you that what has been started there cannot be stopped. Lord, I thank you that I, Isaiah 9 says that the increase of your government and of peace, there will be no end. So I thank you that your kingdom knows nothing but increase. And so we pay blessing on that village and that it will spread. Lord, I mean, you've got Muslims, evangelizing Muslims here. Lord, thank you, Jesus, that they're not even saved, and but they hear good news and something is waking up. And so, Lord, it's the real gospel. And so Lord, I just pray that uh, as she, behind her back, even though she's gone, Lord, that it will spread. Even today, the words of Jesus will come alive and that the man in white will begin to visit them in their dreams and speak to them tenderly and change their lives and change generations. So, Emily, we bless you in the name of Jesus.
2: Yeah, and um, I want to pray for your knee here in just a second. Emily actually came home because she tore her ACL, is that right? And so she had to get knee surgery. So she's still hobbling a little bit. So we know that God wants to just take care of that before she leaves, right, all the way. Um, but what I want to say real quick before that is this morning, um, I was telling the worship team this, but I saw the, the word abbreviated, abbreviated, you know, a, a b r v dot. And I felt like the Lord was talking to me about, um, you know, we live our life right now. Like even when we text each other, we're texting in abbreviations, you know, and the Lord really wants us to live in the fullness, in the full word, not the abbreviated word or the abbreviated glory, you know, the abbreviated, he wants us to live in the fullness, and so we just speak to this abbreviated knee right now, (laughs) and we tell you that you are going to be healed in the name of Jesus, is the right one, right, left one, (laughs) let's pray for both. yeah, in the name you, of Jesus, God. me, strength. we command you to be healed, fully restored. Um, every ligament, every muscle, every tendon, every bone, whatever is going on there, every nerve, we command you to be made whole. Strength. strength Fullness, strength. in the name of Jesus, right now. And also, uh, just I just bless you with signs, wonders, and miracles. Just as you were talking, I just felt like um, just like you it's it's like a package that's inside of you like you are a walking sign and wonder and miracle and you carry that and so I just bless these hands for increase and God we just thank you and we praise you for all that these hands have touched every um every dusty floor that she's entered into God we just say increase and we yeah. uh, we give you all the praise for all the blessing and we guys, God we just thank you for keeping her safe and we just ask for your angels just to be around about her and keep her safe fo- moving forward. Amen. I right, love Amen. you.
0: Bless you, sweetheart. So guys, give Emily some love when you guys after service. <laughs> okay. Mary's trying to make lunch plans with me, her and Emily, right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Can we do? Oh, okay. Yeah. So you can also support Emily in the lobby. That's good. All right. I thought she was trying to make lunch pants. I'm like, babe, can we do this in a little bit here? I'm like, if you guys could just hold a moment. What are you doing Sunday? You know? All right, welcome. It's good to see you guys. And so uh, we, uh, we started actually in the Sermon on the mountain last week. We saw in uh, Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus came announcing good news. And the good news was that the kingdom of God was now available and that people that nobody thought could be blessed we're actually able to be blessed. And we began looking at the Beatitudes. And he says things like, blessed are those who are sad, those who are hated, those who are poor, those who got nothing going on spiritually. We began seeing that the Beatitudes are not an announcement of what you must do to get blessed. These were conditions that nobody thought was blessed. And so the blessing was the fact that these people that nobody thought could be blessed, they could not be blessed because the kingdom was available to them. The blessing was in the kingdom, it wasn't in the condition. So God's not saying you got to be poor, sad, hated, and hungry in order to be blessed. He's saying even if you're in that condition. And so uh, it was really good news. And so now he's letting know that these people, these ordinary people, these unblessables, God can use them to shape the course of history. Does that sound like good news? People that nobody thought had any chance of influence, he's saying, I'm going to use those kinds of people to shape the uh, course of history. So we're turning to Matthew chapter 5. Verse 13, and for some reason, this has been like a favorite passage of mine for a long time. I remember in college, I think this is one of the first sermons I ever did, and so I love this passage. And I want you to notice, when he says, you are the salt of the earth, he didn't say you're going to have to try really hard. He didn't say, pray that you should be this salty. Jesus is announcing to you your identity. He's saying, this is who you are, and I'll walk in this. So you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? So I want to go back to the beginning in Israel where kind of this whole thing started. God comes to a man named Abraham, and he says this in uh, Genesis 12 too, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. So God comes to Abraham. He's like, Abraham, I've got this idea. The world is a hot mess, and I want it back. And so I'm going to make a nation out of you. So I'm gonna, but here's the plan. I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a conduit of blessing for the entire world. Let me guys right. That's, that's still God's plan. I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a conduit of blessing. I want to pause here just for a moment. Is anyone in this room ever felt blessed? Um, you look at your life, your body, your mind, your education, your home, your friends, your gifts, your IQ, food, opportunities, Chipotle. Do you ever receive anything that you didn't earn or merit? That's a blessing. Now, here, here's the question. Why were you blessed? to be a blessing. I know know you're expecting a trick question, and I would not trust me either, okay? I want you to see these things that you receive that you did not deserve. God said the whole reason I did that is so that you could be a conduit of showing this world what I'm really like. This is God's idea with Israel. uh, He calls this blessed to be a blessing relationship. He calls that a covenant. Whenever you see the word covenant, that's God saying, I'm gonna bless you so that you can be a blessing, and uses a bunch of different images to describe it. So in the book of Numbers, he says this in Numbers 18, 19. It is an everlasting covenant of salt before the Lord for both you and your offspring. Isn't that interesting? What does salt do? It adds flavor. I know there's a lot of different pictures of what salt might do, but one of the primary things it did in the ancient years is it added flavor. It was almost like magic. Salt was actually the beginning of trade in the ancient world. It was actually a currency. Soldiers actually got paid in salt, and so the, the, the Latin word for um, salt, you get the S-A-L for salary. The, oh, I'm hearing a jingling. What is going on back there? All right. Oh, it's a kid. All right. I'm like, is Santa coming here? I'm like, i having like an encounter. Like what? Okay, sorry. I get easily distracted, but I don't want to miss an encounter if I'm going to have one. I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's like Jacob, like, you know, surely, you know, there's angels were ascending in Santa. I didn't even know it was there, but, you know, so I don't want to be that guy. So, all right, so kids are cool too. That's great. So sorry about that. So salt was actually the beginning of trade in the ancient world, as I was saying. And so uh, Roman soldiers would receive their salary, often in salt, which is where we get the word salary. Um, some of you know the Old Testament story of a guy named Lot. He was fleeing from a wicked city, Sodom and Gomorrah. His wife disobeys, and she gets turned into a pillar of salt. And they picked her up, and that actually became the first salt lick for deer hunting. I mean, I made that up. That's terrible. That's, that's not true at all. I was, was just bad. But God says, I want to make a covenant of salt with you. And so I'm going to start a new people, and I'm going to have a covenant of salt so that through my people I can bring the flavor of God into people's lives, cleansing their palate of sin and giving them a thirst for the things of God. Then he uses another image for this blessed to be a blessing covenant. He says this in Isaiah 42.6, I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. Isn't that interesting? He says, In the Old Testament, he says, I'm going to make you salt, and I'm going to make you light. But who did he say he was going to be light to? I want you to look at that. Um, remember, God's promise to Abraham was to all the peoples of the earth. It's not just an Israel deal. It's not just a Jewish thing. God's saying, I'm going to bless the Jews. Why did God choose the Jews and bless the Jews? Because he loved the Gentiles. Whenever God, whenever God is doing something for you, it's not just for you. Listen to Isaiah 49, 6. It is far too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles. Guys, it's just too small for you to have your own little Jesus parties. It's for everybody. That was the JIV, the Jim International. version. So, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you might bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So God's like, listen, my world is dark. People are scared out there. They're hiding. And you are to show them what this life is all about. I want you to be light. I want you to be a revelation to them about what God is like. Not just for yourselves, but for Gentiles. And so that's God's vision for Israel, that there would, co- would be a covenant of salt, there would be a covenant of light. They would display God's character. So now when we go back to Matthew 5 and we see these imageries, you can see more what it's about. Uh, let's look at 13 and 14 again. <clears throat> you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. I guess we're just going to stick with uh, 13 there. And so, um, listen, I've heard lots of different teachings on salt. I, I used to just believe the last one I'd heard. You know, it was like, okay, this is what salt means. Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense and stuff. And, you know, a lot of the times it was like, you know, in the ancient Near East salt was used as a preservative. You know, they didn't have refrigerators, and it, it presented decay. And I'm, I'm sure that Christians have a, a preserving effect on the world, but that's not what this passage said. It said salt is for flavor. And he says if it's lost its taste. So salt is supposed to add flavor. Here is what you and I are supposed to do. We are supposed to add flavor to the government. We're supposed to flavor the meal that people eat every day in our community. The musical trends were to add flavor. The arts were to add flavor. Politics, the way business is done. Here's how the message paraphrase puts it. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Wow. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? That's amazing. You and I are to draw with the God-designed flavors in the environment around us. And what does Jesus say? He goes on to say, flavorless salt is good for nothing. Uh, the Passion Translation of Matthew, it, it translates the word worthless. It says, it's good for nothing or foolish. So this is interesting here. So salt that's lost its flavor is foolish. What is salt that has retained its flavor? Wise. Okay, so it's interesting. In the ancient writings, the, the rabbis associated salt with wisdom. It, it's just interesting in the writing. So um, here's what Proverbs 1 was, as it gives you a key to what Proverbs and wisdom is. I'm, I'm going to tie this together in just a second. Keep following me. Here are kingdom revelations. This is Proverbs one from the Passion Translation. Here are kingdom revelations, words to live by, and words of wisdom given to empower you to reign in life. Wisdom empowers you and I to reign in life. This doesn't mean rule over people. Guys, Christians are always best when we're serving. It seems like Christians, when we're trying to like convert everybody and make everybody like the same, vote the same way and all stuff, it doesn't work out so well. People are like, that's awesome. Thank you for trying to manipulate me. Like, it doesn't work that way. But Christians are always best when we're serving, right? So to reign in life doesn't mean that we're going to have all the positions of government and all the positions. Uh, to reign in life means that money doesn't rule me. It means I'm ruling over money. It means that um, uh, in my relationships, I carry honor into those relationships, regardless of what the environment's doing to me. You guys realize that, because you're salt and light, you can carry honor into a relationship with someone's being dishonorable. Their level of disrespect does not determine your level of respect. So you can actually carry into a relationship. You can celebrate somebody and honor somebody who is dishonouring you. That's able to reign in life. So many times we let our environment and our circumstances dictate, but we need to remember who we are. We're salt and we're light. And what that means is by nature of who we are in Christ, we transformed the nature of the world around us. Like have you ever had, like, I remember when, I was, uh, when we were first married, I was going to surprise Mary and make Nestle Toll House cookies. Now, I'm not much of a, of a cook. I've done some, I've, I've tried a few times. I remember the first time I tried to make lasagna for her. I didn't know you were supposed to brown the meat. I figured like, uh, you'd put the beef in there, and it would get cooked in the lasagna. And we had friends over. Remember, Dan and Amy came over. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm married. I got dinner taken care of. She was working. And so we go to eat, and it's, you know, it's raw animal flesh in there. And it's like, what is happening here? And so I remember another time I was going to make toast cookies. And I don't know. I guess the ingredients were probably like listed, right? You know, Salt and sugar were listed. And it was, um, it was supposed to be a cup of sugar and a tablespoon of salt. And I, I mixed them up. So it was a cup of salt and a tablespoon of sugar. And so I'm so proud of these cookies. You know, they're out of the oven. They're golden brown. I'm like, you know, should we get a magazine in here to like take pictures of these? And um, guys, um, you notice salt. It makes an, it transforms whatever it touches. Okay, it impacts it. And God's saying, listen, that's what your life is like. When a Christian is in the room, oh, I wish God would show up. If you're there, God just showed up. And it's not like, oh, God, make me salt. Just recognize God by virtue of who I am. As you begin to turn your attention and depend on him, you begin to exert influence over that environment. Stop complaining about your workplace. You're there to be salt and light. Oh, it's so dark here. You were born to shine. That's why you're there. Good news for them. The world is crying out for people who have wisdom. Solomon, the king of David, he was king over Israel. He had unprecedented prosperity and things going on. He had wisdom. Remember, this is a, it's a picture of salt, this wisdom. He had wisdom to the effect that kings of other nations would leave, the, leave their positions and come and sit at Solomon's feet. Can you imagine a king of another nation? So hungry, so thirsty for the salt, so thirsty for the wisdom, that they would leave their places where they were most protected, most celebrated, most honored, and come and sit at the feet of someone who had more wisdom than them. Uh, the Queen of Sheba, she made a stunning statement here. She said this, God has highly favored you, Solomon, because of his love for Israel. Listen, guys, I'm afraid that the favor of God, we have shrunk it. People are like, pray that I have favor on this job interview. We've, we've shrunk favor down to a, a charismatic rabbit's foot. We can say a little prayer, maybe get a little extra juice in our job interview. Okay, it's, it's a lot more than that. And if the favor on your life does not influence the people around you, favor has missed its intended target. Why did God favor Solomon? So that all the people under him could be blessed. I love well, Lance Wallnau's definition of uh, favor. Whenever Lance gives a definition, it's just get ready to wow. He says this, uh, favor throughout the Bible, ready for this, is the affection of God towards you that releases an influence through you so that other people are inclined to like, trust, and cooperate with you. Why is God putting this favor on you? The affection of God towards you that releases an influence through you so that other people are inclined to like, trust, and cooperate with you. In a word, it's credibility. When God puts his favor on you, people are like, I don't know what it is about you, but I like the way that you do things. Why? They're noting. Favor is an aspect of the anointing. They're recognizing the Christ in you. It says Jesus is the desire of nations. Why is it? Why is God putting his favor on you so that people will see through you what Jesus is really like? It's not all about us. Thank you. I only needed one. I only needed one, and now I got it. So there we go. Guys, get this. God favors you because he loves the people around you. I believe this is what it really means to be salt. Because when salt has flavor, it draws out the significance and greatness of everybody it touches. Proximity is power. I want you to get this. Salt that stays in the salt shaker is just a mere table ornament, okay? And so here's what happens, and nobody in there, maybe there's somebody crazy that does this, but nobody like opens up the salt shaker and just dumps it all on one French fry, right? Like you sprinkle it around. (laughs) Yeah, thank you for that. That was the reaction I was looking for. (laughs) It's nice to know the next generation's paying attention. This is great. Like, like nobody does that, right? You you sprinkle the salt around. And yet so many times all the salt wants to stay clumped together in church and do Christian bookstores and Christian coffee houses and Christian concerts and all stay clumped all on one French fry. God's like, spread it around. Get involved in the government, get involved in your city, get involved in your school, get involved in whatever is going on in your neighborhood. Spread the love. You know that you're in the environment that you were born to be in when you're full of flavor, because you begin drawing out the greatness of other people around you. You're gonna be like, okay, this is what I was born for, because now I'm beginning to help other people be great. The second part of the instruction, and in, uh, pick it up in verse 14 here. Again, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. He didn't say. It's interesting. Where did you get the light from? Remember, Jesus was the light of the world you know? And so now he's like, I'm going, it's your job. So many times we're asking Jesus to do what he told us to do. Oh God, heal the sick. Oh, he's, he told you to heal the sick. Oh God, save this city. Guys, God's not going to come over a city and just zap it with a glory cloud. And everyone's like, I hate God. I love God. It says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Glory is the goodness of God on display in tangible ways. Okay, and so the only hope of this world seeing glory is Christ expressed through your life. Listen, pray for your city, pray for atmosphere. I believe in all that stuff. But revival is not going to come just for praying that something happens. Somebody's going to have to be revival. Christ in you is the only hope of this world seeing glory. Once the light touches you, it changes your nature and your capacity to represent God. It's interesting, like, light's hard to see. Until you put it through something like a prism. Like if we just have like white light, it's it's really hard to see like the brilliance of it. But it's interesting, when you put it through a prism, it breaks out into nine different colors. Isn't that interesting? So here's what happens, is God's light comes and shines in you, and it comes out in the nine fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Did I get them? All right. Faithfulness. Yeah, They're they're all in there. Just so you know, uh, one of the fruit of the Spirit is not busyness. And so, I, like, you talk to a Christian, how oh, you doing? Know, I'm busy. I mean, like, like, it's the 10th fruit of the Spirit. Like, we're supposed to go, oh, man, it's, you're so important. Okay. Nobody is impressed with your busyness, okay? Love, joy, peace. But isn't that interesting, though? When light shines through a prism, so how is this world going to know what the love of God looks like? It's going to come through you displaying his character. Blessed to be a blessing. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. When is a bright city that is set on a hill most visible? at night so the picture here is you got this city set on a hill it's all lit up and it's a place of refuge for those who are in darkness people from darkness they can see it from a great distance they can walk towards it and there's safety there now listen we've all heard sermons i, I love them on the go of the gospel the first two letters of the gospel are a go we love the go of the gospel we bless emily but there's also an aspect where we have to become something that people can come to in the same way a city is light lit up and provides refuge for those in darkness, and the same way you go to a garden to pick fruit, and the same way you go to a spring to drink water, and the same way you go to a tree for shade, and the same way God's community has to be something that people can come to and say, you know what, I can get healed there. There's people in our church who were not believers and they saw the shade, the fruit, the refreshing spring in somebody else's marriage and they said, we want that. They were something, they were a city set on a hill that they could come to, and as a result of that, they're born again and in the church today. I don't just mean like we're a city set on a hill and people can come attend church. Like That's probably the lowest level of revival. Of course we want people to attend church and and all that stuff. It, It doesn't mean that's not going to happen. It's just not the emphasis. The emphasis is on impacting our city with the king and the kingdom. Somehow people begin tasting of that kingdom, and they realize these things on your life are from a greater king. We pour salt on their tongue. I like to think of it this way. We arouse their sweet tooth for the things of God. You can do the Easter your vegetables approach. You know, repent or burn or turn or burn or get right or get left. You know, I got all this like threatening stuff. And I always want to say, it's supposed to be good news. As you're like, you know, hanging the bad news uh, banners in there. Um, yeah. There's that guy on Liberty. Like, 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 like every day with this sign picking the chair. Tr- I'm like, you know. Part of me—I I shouldn't say—part of me wants to throw something at him, and part of me wants to just stop and be like, "Bro, like, what do you think you're doing?" Like, he's, he's picketing this church every anyway. So, we're gonna cut that part out. <laughs> I just can't stand it. I'm like, "What are you doing, man?" So, what would Jesus do? I don't know. He's overturning tables and got a whip. Maybe something. I don't know. So, <laughs> you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. People may say this, listen, I'm not interested in your Jesus, but I'm interested in the way you do family. What are they doing? They're tasting godliness. They're not ready to get married, but they may start dating. It's like, hold on, what is this about your life? I see and what is it? It's pointing to something from a different realm. I may not be interested in your Jesus, but I'm interested in how you do business, because I notice that you just seem to prosper. Bill Johnson tells the story. I love it. It's about this man who had no natural qualifications, and he was brought in as a consultant to the, oil, uh, to the oil industry. And he had a revelation of how they could do oil in a way that was more beneficial to the environment, but it was also more profitable. And so he would sit, and he would listen a lot, and wouldn't talk much. And, uh, but when he spoke, it had a lot of weight, and it carried a lot of weight. And so he got a reputation for this. So people would ask him, hey, are you going to do that thing again? And he's like, what thing? That thing when you talk and a presence comes in the room. What's going on there? They're tasting godliness. If you believe that you're salt and light, you can't complain about your current circumstances, where you work, the neighborhood you live in, the apartment complex you live in, the school you attend because you've been placed there by God. So don't pray, God, make me a light today. Say, go and be who you are and be conscious of him, just expecting him to give you ideas and creativity and put his super on your natural. There is no plan B, guys. When God's like, hey, we're going to win this world back, there is no plan B. It's not like, hey, if these humans can't get their act together and the salt and light thing doesn't work, then I'll just, I'll just come and take over. Like there is, there is no plan B. We are it. And I, w- I want to just leave you with this picture, and then we're gonna, I'm going to lead you kind of into an encounter here with this verse. Um, I- I've used this illustration many times, but it's still good. You guys need to get this. We're on offense. We're not on defense. Okay? And so in basketball, the person who has the ball is on offense. The team that does not have the ball is on defense. So that's just basics. And so I remember I started playing basketball in second grade, and it probably peaked right about then, and um, especially once I hit my growth spurt, that was really rough. Uh, I think I grew like eight inches in like a year, and so I was like tripping over like cracks in the, you know, that weren't even there. Anyway, and so second grade basketball, and I, I could not get this concept of offense But I really understood the concept of defense. And so the the way they would do it back then is they would try to match you up, you know, hey, you're going to guard him based on height, is kind of how they would do it. And they would do like a jump ball. And every quarter, they would do a new jump ball. And the kids would come off the bench. And so, um, man, whoever I got assigned to had a miserable eight minutes that quarter because I didn't understand. Like, so our team would have the ball. I am all over the sky. I'm like a gnat just in his face. And he's like, your team's got the ball. Get away from me. They're lining up for free throws. I'm all over here. And they're like, no, no, it's, it's free throw time. Like, like, son, get back in here. And so I'm afraid that's how the church acts. They're on defense. Oh, it's getting bad. Did you see what the liberals said? Did you see what's happening over here? And they act and like, oh, but the gates of hell won't prevail against us. As if a gate is like being smashed on us, but somehow we're going to withstand it. A gate is a defensive thing. When he's saying the gates of hell will not prevail, the gospel will penetrate every culture and subculture of this planet. There's nothing that can stop it. Not communism, not socialism, not gay and lesbian agenda, not just you name it, it cannot be stopped. But he's waiting for people to recognize who they are, to begin to partner with him, and that's how this thing's going to be changed. The end. Give them heaven. So here's what I want to do. I want to, if you could put down your pens, pencils, Bibles... Tomatoes? What are you going to throw them? What are you going to... So there's an ancient way to read the Bible. Look at that. We're doing all okay can time. There's an ancient way to read the Bible. It came from the 4th century monks, the Benedictine monks. And I'm not going to try to say the Latin phrase because my Latin is a little rusty. Um very rusty. And so, uh, but it, it comes out to divine reading. And it's a way to kind of interact with the Bible. So, here's what I want to do I'm going to read through this passage three times from another translation. And I, after the first time I read it, I'm going to have you listen to God for one thing. So, I'll give you instructions between each one. But here we go. On the first reading, I want you to ask guide God to guide you to one word or phrase. So, I'm reading this thing, you're closing your eyes, and you're asking the Holy Spirit, just highlight one word or phrase. That's all you're going to do. You guys ready? You may not think you have much to offer other people. But I say, you are the salt of the earth. You are to bring out the flavor of God into people's lives. Cleansing their palate of sin and causing them to thirst for more of him. If you aren't salty, then how will people around you taste godliness? Salt that is not useful is thrown away. You are to be the light of the world. It is up to you to offer the warmth and color of God to the people around you. We can't keep the truth of God and the life he offers a secret. No, I'm making you to shine brightly and powerfully like a lamp on a stand. Like a city on a hill. Let others see your good works and your glowing heart for God that motivates them. So that with you they appreciate God as their loving Father who is gloriously filling the heavens all around them. Here's what I want you to do I want you to turn to the person next to you and just simply share that word or phrase. Not lots of explanation. Word, phrase, we're talking 20 seconds max, go. Must be long words and long phrases there. All right. all right, let's get ready for the second reading. Okay, as I read the passage this time, I want you to listen for the way that word or phrase connects to your life right now. Okay, so Holy Spirit, how does that word or phrase that you highlighted, how does that connect to my life right now? That's what you're listening for in this, in this one. You guys ready? You may not think you have much to offer other people, But I say, you are to be the salt of the earth. You are to bring the flavor of God into people's lives, cleansing their palate of sin and causing them to thirst for more of him. If you aren't salty, then how will the people around you taste godliness? Salt that is not useful is thrown away. You are to be the light of the world. It's up to you to offer the warmth and color of God to the people around you. We can't keep the truth of God and the life he offers a secret. No, I'm making you to shine brightly and powerfully like a lamp on a stand, like a city on a hill. Let others see your good works and your glowing heart for God that motivates them. so that with you they appreciate God as their loving Father, who is gloriously filling the heavens all around them. All right, turn back to that same person and talk to them about how that word is connecting to your life right now. All right, switch people if you haven't switched yet. Ten seconds. All right, on this last reading, I want you to ask God what his invitation is for you. And write down any thoughts that come to your mind. So if you've got a phone, maybe you need to type them in your notes. You've got some paper. But as I read through this one, what's God, what's his invitation to you in this passage? You may not think that you have much to offer other people. But I say you are to be the salt of the earth. You are to bring out the flavor of God into people's lives, cleansing their palate of sin and causing them to thirst for more of him. If you aren't salty, then how will the people around you taste godliness? Salt is not useful. Salt that is not useful is thrown away. You are to be the light of the world. It's up to you to offer the warmth and color of God to the people around you. We can't keep the truth of God and the life he offers a secret. No, I'm making you to shine brightly and powerfully like a lamp on a stand, like a city on a hill. Let others see your good works and your glowing heart for God that motivates them. So that with you they appreciate God as their loving Father who is gloriously filling the heavens all around them. I'm just going to take a minute of silence here and just let God speak to you. And anything you want to write down, text to yourself, go for it. All right, here's how I want to end this. I want you to, uh, with that person, um, just share just a couple sentences, and then I want you to pray for each other. So, what it is that God's inviting you to do? Whatever you feel like that is, share it, and then pray for them, and then switch people. And so, let's take about three minutes for this. So, share and pray. Another 20 seconds. Pray fast. Was that good? All right, you guys want to stand, and I'm going to ask the ministry teams to come forward. And um, Mary had the idea to see if any of the ministry teams.